So you've managed to fall from a cliff and are currently plummeting towards your death. The good news is we've all been there before. Falls and great heights are some of the few things that can outright kill a player, and most veteran players can recount at least one or two characters that have met an untimely end with an inappropriate slip or badly judged jump. To help spare you a painful, if darkly humorous, experience, we're going to be doing a deep dive into fall damage in today's episode. Before we get into what to do when you find yourself falling, let's go over how fall damage actually works. To start with, here's the raw fall damage rules from the basic rules. A fall from a great height is one of the most common hazards facing an adventurer. At the end of the fall, a creature takes 1d6 bludgeoning damage for every 10 feet it fell, to a maximum of 20d6. The creature lands prone unless it avoids taking damage from the fall. So far, so good. So much damage. Fall 30 feet, take 3d6 bludgeoning damage. This means that if you get pushed out of an airship or off a mountain, anything with several hundred feet of drop, you'll be taking the maximum of 20d6 bludgeoning damage once you finally hit the bottom. For reference, that's an average of 70 damage with a potential minimum of 20 and a maximum of 120. But that's just a straightforward fall. This is D&D after all, and practically anything can happen. Let's go through some of the common modifiers to this seemingly simple rule. So let's say you're falling down some impossibly deep pit or are in the middle of the plane of air or something that there isn't a bottom to reach. Well, you don't fall instantly. When you're extremely high up, you may need to use the following optional rule. When you fall from a great height, you instantly descend up to 500 feet. If you're still falling on your next turn, you descend up to 500 feet at the end of that turn. This process continues until the fall ends, either because you hit the ground or the fall is otherwise halted. So if you fall from a great height of exactly 501 feet, you'll get a round to react and possibly save yourself. Obviously, it will only be relevant on the highest of falls, but remember this when we get to ways of surviving a fall. Xanathar's Guide to Everything gave us some solid optional rules for all the interactions between falling and fly speeds. A flying creature in flight falls if it is not prone. If its speed is reduced to zero feet, or if it otherwise loses the ability to move, unless it can hover or it is being held aloft by magic, such as the fly spell. If you'd like a flying creature to have a better chance of surviving a fall than a non-flying creature does, use this rule, where you subtract a creature's current flying speed from the distance it fell before calculating the fall damage. This rule is helpful to a flyer that is knocked prone but is still conscious and has a current flying speed that is greater than zero feet. The rule is designed to simulate the creature flapping its wings furiously or taking similar measures to slow the velocity of its fall. If you use this rule for rate of falling in the previous section, a flying creature descends 500 feet on the turn when it falls, just as other creatures do. But if that creature starts any of its later turns still falling and is prone, it can halt the fall on its turn by spending half of its flying speed to counter the prone condition, as if it were standing up in midair. Now, that's all phrased somewhat awkwardly, but essentially the set of rules presents us with the rules and an optional rule you can use instead. The standard rules are that flying creatures fall just as fast as anyone else, 500 feet around. But if they're still falling after the first 500 feet, they can stop their descent with half of their movement speed, similar to spending half of their movement to stand up from being prone. The optional rule subtracts the flying creature's fly speed from the distance fallen when you count up the damage they take. Say the monk pops an evil wizard with a stunning strike midair and stuns them. 
dropping them from the previous magical fly speed of 60 feet down to zero, which means they drop like an absolute log. If the evil wizard was 100 feet up, we would subtract their fly speed of 60 feet, leaving us with a 40 foot difference. We know from the falling damage rules that our poor evil wizard should take 1d6 bludgeoning damage per 10 feet, so they take 4d6. That said, this rule is completely optional, and DMs could just easily say that the wizard can't stop himself from falling at all while he's stunned, and should take the full 10d6 damage, which... Ouch. So let's say that when you leap from the cliff, there's an ocean waiting for you below. What happens then? Do you simply dive in? Do you need to make an athletics check or something? Is it always an unceremonious and horrifying belly flop? Sadly, we don't have an official rule for this, despite how often it comes up. Raw rules as written, falling into water does just as much damage as falling onto concrete. And to be fair, there's a lot of physics to back that up. Strangely, this means that even a 10-foot drop, an extremely low dive by any standard, into a pool should deal 1d6 bludgeoning damage. Before I get into this, I want to reiterate again that there are no official answers to this question, but there are several common fixes that most DMs will implore. First off is athletics diving. An extremely common way to have your characters safely dive into the water is to have them roll an athletics check. The result of each check is how much of the fall each character can ignore when calculating damage. For example, an athletics check result of 10 or higher would ignore 10 feet of falling. A result of 20 or higher would ignore 20 feet of falling, and so on. This method makes it extremely likely that most characters can ignore at least 10 feet worth of falling into water. But extreme athletes may be able to ignore 20 or even 30 foot dives while every once in a while a character has an extremely painful and embarrassing belly flop. Well, if, you know, if you're my adventuring party, it will probably happen more than a few times. A much simpler option and still common fix to this is to automatically ignore the first 20 feet worth of falling when falling into water. Conceptually, this works pretty well. If you drop somebody 100 feet into the ocean, they're probably dead. But there are real-life diving boards at 30 and 40 feet. Functionally, this works a lot like the athletics diving method, but a bit kinder to lower strength members of the party. I'm sure you crafty DMs out there can think of more ways to make these physics a bit more integrated into the scenario. Then there's the half damage method, which has some real credibility, as it was an unofficial suggested fix to the problem proposed by 5e designer Jeremy Crawford. As he put it, there's no official rule for falling into water, as DM having the falling damage is what I typically do instead. This still presents the conceptually odd prospect of taking damage from a 10-foot jump into a pool, but is kinder for the real big jumps. Using this method, even a 1,000-foot fall into the ocean could only inflict 10d6 bludgeoning damage. Which comes with its own leaps in logic, really. And lastly, I just want to make quick mention of this because it actually came up in one of my sessions and I found it really clever. Someone actually made a really high athletics check in order to throw an object of theirs into the water in order to break the surface tension so that they could take less damage from a 70-foot fall into the water. And I was a little skeptical of this at first, but apparently that's actually a way that you can survive a high fall, so I allowed it in that instance. Um, they were a high-level character, they were not going to die outright from that anyway. But I just found that interesting enough, and I encourage all of you guys to actually come up with more solutions to this kind of problem. 5e is rather stingy with options for falling, as you can see. There's no base check you can make to reduce your fall damage, it just kind of happens. 
The few options that we do get are really good at mitigating or preventing that damage though. Let's go through those really quick. First we have Featherfall. This is the catch-all that everybody is going to first bring up once fall damage is mentioned. Featherfall is a first level spell available to bards, sorcerers, and wizards. Featherfall turns a leap off the cliff for your entire party from certain doom to a gentle glide down to the bottom. It's cast as a reaction, so you can instantly cast it if you find yourself or one of your friends falling. Simply put, if you or one of your allies has Featherfall, falling damage just really shouldn't be a problem anymore for you. If you aren't a bard or a sorcerer or a wizard, how about a monk? Once you reach your fourth level in Monk, you can gain the ability to Slow Fall. This reduces the amount of damage you take from falling by five times your Monk level, so minimum 20 when you get the ability. It takes your reaction, but unlike some previous additions and systems, it has no limitations. As we previously figured out, the average damage for even a thousand foot fall is about 70 damage. This means that a 14th level Monk can go skydiving without a parachute and reasonably expect to walk away unscathed. And then there's Flying. If you have a natural fly speed somehow, you're pretty much golden. Unless you get whammed hard and have your movement speed removed, you should be immune to the risk of falling. If, however, you're relying on magical flight, such as from a spell or something like that, that isn't active all the time. You may want to proactively cast it if you're in a potential fall situation. Unlike Featherfall, you can't cast fly and most other spells that grant you flight as a reaction. This means if you get shoved off a cliff, you're going to most likely reach the bottom with a splat without giving any sort of time for an opportunity to cast it. If in doubt, cast your flying spell ahead of time. If you're a bard, cleric, druid, sorcerer, artificer, or paladin of the Oath of Glory, then you have access to the often missed and underutilized second level spell, Enhance Ability. Enhance Ability has six different modes. Each one grants advantage on checks of different ability scores and many of them have little bonus effects depending on the stat. Cat's Grace is Dexterity Mode, which happens to make the target immune to falling damage from 20 feet or less. This sadly doesn't stack and doesn't do anything if you fall from, say, 30 feet, but if you're in a situation that risks one to two-story falls like a rooftop chase or a battle on a tree canopy, this spell is really great to have. I really enjoyed talking about this topic today because falling is just one of those things that can happen to anybody and indeed will probably happen to you. So I'm glad you all tuned in today to figure out how you can at least mitigate the problem. You probably won't avoid it entirely though. Thank you guys so much for watching. I truly appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week. And if you have a funny story about fall damage that you've taken in the past, I would love to hear it in the comments. And if you guys have any other suggestions for videos, leave those down there as well. My name's Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.